everyone. Welcome to episode 92 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I am Daniel. And today we're starting off a new franchise with the Mad Max franchise. So we're starting off with the 1979 film. So Daniel, would you like to read us the IMDb synopsis for this one? Sure. One second. Um, in a self-destructing world, a vengeful Australian policeman sets out to stop a violent motorcycle gang. Simple enough. So yeah, Daniel, this was your choice as this new franchise. What made you pick Mad Max? I was just in a Mad Max mood. Um, I already know I love these movies. There was something about <laughs> uh, the post-apocalypse that maybe I was just craving. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, but I, I felt ready to dive into the world of Mad Max. I feel like it's always been there in the background. Is like, one day we're going to do these. We're going to have to do these. Um yeah. And we're coming up on our 100th episode. Maybe now is the time. Yeah. And it's good to have a franchise that we're familiar with, something we, we've seen all of these movies, and yeah. so it's more finding new things about them. I'm, I'm curious about these conversations moving I forward. think it'll be, yeah, I think it'll be nice to watch stuff we already like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's kind of like a little vacation, it feels like. Um, but yeah, uh, what, what did you think of Mad Max on this this rewatch? Okay, so this one I think is really interesting because when you like, well, at least, okay, after watching this after Fury Road coming out, watching this is really interesting and very strange because it, it doesn't feel quite like the Mad Max that you're used to in your mind. When you think of Mad Max, you think of uh, Road Warrior or or like you think of Return of, uh, uh, sorry, Thunderdome, Return of Thunderdome, you think of Thunderdome, and so you think of a very deeply uh, apocalyptic world, and so watching this is is really trippy to see like a no sort of normalcy, and like he has like this family, and like there's like a nightlife, and people are like going out, and like there's just, there's like teenagers kind of just like being around as being dumb teenagers, and it doesn't really look like that bleak there's things that happen that definitely drive home the fact that it is a very dangerous place and we are like on the horizon of this like really violent lawlessness and this movie is like sort of showing that shift but th with with all of that in mind it's like a really awesome action movie it's very kinetic very fast like uh like the mad max movies tend to be but sort of here it's like on the smaller scales, on the like this really low budget, it's like four hundred thousand dollars. It's there. It's George Miller's first movie, and yeah. I don't know. It, it has a lot of charm, and I would say, as the, the kids would say, is don't don't sleep on Mad Max One. It's certainly not a one to sort of count out and disregard because there's a lot of really rich things that are happening here, and just a lot of things to really appreciate. And, yeah, I don't yeah. know. We have a lot of yeah, like the flamboyant villains and just like a, a very dark story that's just very simple and bare bones. And I don't know. It's, there's a lot to love here, and so I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it is. Re it is weird revisiting it after seeing the other movies because it feels. Yeah, the world is it, it, every every synopsis or description of it says like it's a dystopian world, and it's like to what degree? Like it feels like a little lawless. Yeah. Like. It, it feels like a Western with cars, really. It's just like we have these sort of uh, wild, you know, violent people who uh, are... are it, it, Mad Max is Max is trying to bring civilization to an uncivilized land, basically. Yeah. Um, so he, he is kind of like this Western hero. Um, and yeah, like you said, it has like a nightlife. Like there's a police department. There's judges, apparently. Because yeah. we get like people in suits talking about like you know, representing their client. And <laughs> like, yeah, there's like, there's, there's law and order. It's just, yeah, there was a court uh, proceeding that happened off screen. It happened, yeah. but it was off screen. Yeah. There's saxophone solos. And <laughs> yeah. It's nice. Nightclub singers. You can go on a nice date with your gal Hear hear some music, have a cocktail. Yeah, there's like mechanics, there's actual businesses and yeah. So, so things haven't collapsed. It's just, Things are rough. Yeah, there's no Things babies. Are rough there's no babies strapped to men yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you do see like a lot of like the precursors to things that show up in these later movies. So the eye bulging scene uh, is a reoccurring like image throughout this series. We also see at one point we see a man 
with a pole vault onto a large truck, yeah. <laughs> like which comes into play in Fury Road. Yeah, when that happened, I had a really big smile on my face. I was like, oh, wow, that's really nice that they worked that into it. And like, not like a super spectacular stunt by any means, but visually it just helps drive it home. The fact that, yeah, like when you're on the highways, like it's like Star Wars, like bandits will hop onto your truck. And like, yeah, and, and like you said, it's his first feature and it's a pretty fucking ambitious first feature doing all this stunt work, uh, having these car crashes and stuff. And you feel the danger of things like seeing a car approach a motorcyclist and be following them behind by what feels like four feet where if anything goes wrong with this motorcycle they are going to get ran over by this vehicle yeah um you feel the danger it feels very real you see like a a stunt performer get hit in the back of the head with a motorcycle um people bodies flying through the air and flipping um yeah it feels like they a lot of what you're seeing on screen is shit that you should not be be allowed to see on screen. Like they shouldn't be allowed to do this stuff. Um, yeah, I'm sure they probably aren't anymore. So. Yeah, a lot of like guerrilla filmmaking of them just going out and stealing shots on the highway and just yeah, I don't know. It, it has that grit to it that is really palpable. And one of my favorite parts like, during the first chase when it's like I think it's the the interceptor is like the villain's car or something. It just like tears through like this van and the van just gets just like crumbles like a soda can. It's just like, it's insane. Just like how fast it gets hit and just spins out. And I don't know. Yeah. They're just really destroying these cars and it, it really shows on screen. Okay. So what do you make of our, our villains here? What do you make of uh, initially it's Knight Rider and then we get toe cutter and his, his gang. Yeah, I really enjoyed Knight Rider. Yeah, he has the like iconic thing of like, like I'm like the chaos or whatever. Like, he his like his whole of his the speech. Suicide machine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the suicide machine. Like that whole like line delivery is just really fantastic and just like yeah, he's like he is he makes a such a big impression and like with such little screen time, it's just like he just like sets off such like an insane chain of events of just like yeah, it's like him killing this officer and starting on this chase just leads to so many other lives and people sort of intersecting into the like when he's like going down the highway and there's just like oh like like a family like like going on a road trip or like filling up gas or something like that and then like just them being on the road and the, the cops going on it just like sort of snowballs into this bigger thing and i don't know i love later on when there's like the crew is just like like dancing and like waltzing in the like inside of like this empty town as they're coming in to like terrorize it and I don't know, I, I really appreciate just, like, how showy and, like, the pageantry of what they're doing. And Toe Cutter's great. He, I really, really appreciate the line when he's talking to Johnny the boy. And he's like, this is a threshold moment for you. It's like, this is, like, yeah. a moment for you to change. I'm, like, going to have you murder this guy, uh, murder Goose. And it's, yeah, just him, this, the, the delivery of it is just, like, it has, like, this... It's a little poetic, very menacing. Yeah, he, he's just, he's really good and definitely makes me think a lot of... Um, the, uh, the guy from Fury, I can't forget his name. Um, Image, like something Joe, uh, Morton Joe, a little bit. Or, Joe. Well, it's yeah. the same actor. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Very cool. Um, um, did, wasn't aware of that. But yeah, that is really appropriate. It makes total sense. But yeah, it's sort yeah. of yeah, that larger than life essence. Um, yeah, you are touching on something, though, which is this sort of like poeticism to some of the, uh, the dialogue. Um, I feel like these movies there's this element of like invented slang so like in the later movies we get like there's mythology like there is ideology there's religion like we are there are like cultures here like you 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 could write um you could do a a, you could have an anthropologist write about these movies probably but um definitely but like here it still it also feels like we're kind of getting the roots of that with some of the slang like calling people skags and like calling the cops bronzes it's yeah like, i don't know if these are like established terms in australia but it feels it's definitely adding to like the vibe of the movie um yeah. i yep. think uh as far as villains go i like toe, toe cutter his that opening performance is so interesting the way he dials between like screaming with a glee and then just pouting um <laughs> i got this vibe from him and his girlfriend where it, it, it kind of reminded me of tim roth and amanda Plummer as the restaurant robbers in pulp fiction oh yeah they have this sort of um 
you know, strange Bonnie and Cl- like deranged Bonnie and Clyde dynamic. Wait, sorry, you said Toe Cutter, but I know you meant Knight Rider. Oh, Knight Rider, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yes, uh, yeah, but that's, that's a really good observation. But yeah, uh, and then yeah, the introduction of Toe Cutter and his gang, it's they do a really good job of like portraying them as completely like animalistic. Uh, there's a scene where like as soon as they get off their bikes, like one of them start like. I think one of them starts like wrestling a dog and like <laughs> people are like they didn't catch know, that. People, yeah people are like howling and whooping and like getting in fights and climbing up on top of buildings and stuff like that and it's just like these are they're, they're animals yeah and i heard i think i remember hearing that like behind the scenes the way that gang bonded with each other uh they did get kind of out of control like sometimes <laughs> like they would be like partying together and uh getting a little yeah they had to reel him in a bit, I think. Um, That's great. There's a really nice moment uh, towards the end when they sort of, when Max sort of makes a confrontation, and no, sorry, it's, uh, it's Max's wife is making the confrontation to get her, her child back, and there's a guy in the gang who's just like spread out with like doing like a crucifix pose like on the back of like yeah, this building, weird. and then I was like, oh wait, did they crucify someone? It's like no, that's just like one of their gang members. Then he starts yeah. moving around. I was like, he's just weird people doing very strange things i totally had that moment yeah yeah i was gonna ask what do you think about just like like the, the opening car scene like the opening chase scene is just like this really like i don't know i just really appreciate just like how it goes from one like it escalates really well and just like when like the other cop the motorcycle cop gets involved and like the other like the other van sort of shows up. I don't know. I just really like that. And I pr- appreciate the line from one of the other cops when they hit someone else and they're like, Oh, we're going to get it this time. His indicator was on. And I just like that. Like, like there is a little bit of just like, Oh, there are some co- consequences to like what they, what they're, you know, doing what their police work. I think so with the opening scene, I, I just wrote down that it's, you're kind of just thrown in uh, without an understanding of who these characters are. I think they do a better job of characterizing, um, Knight Rider and like the they do a better job of characterizing the villains than they do the other police officers and they kind of don't have to characterize police officers because they're kind of throwaway characters yeah um it's all serving to just like uh introduce Max and like how badass he is just sitting in his car with the shades like just you're you're waiting for this man to come into action because the way they're like shooting they're not even showing him they're just kind of like showing his vehicle and like this vehicle is a presence that is like a sort of like looming over the scene and you're like waiting for this vehicle to come into action. Um, So yeah, it's kind of just like foreshadowing that like, this is when things are going to get serious. Once this car gets moving, things are going to get serious and they do. Um, Yeah. And that is, Funny that you mentioned that because as you're saying that, that reminded me, yeah, the fact that it's what we see, like, yeah, the gloves and like the, the pieces of his uniform and like the car itself. Yeah. And then we literally, we don't get like the exclamation point of like the shot of his face until uh, Knight Rider completely wrecks his car and gets crushed or whatever and, and dies. And they have like the music sting and then we get a shot of him. And I was like, it's like a really like hardcore, just like hero shot. I was like, okay, they- yeah. <laughs> The music is interesting because it feels like every time he drives someone off the road to their death, it just, like, swells up with, like, the super heroic music. It's very triumphant. I don't know. This, I don't know like, this is kind of brutal. Like, we know like, what you want to see. <laughs> like, it does, like, and it kind of feels like, once again, like a Western. Like, it's, like, this sort of, like, championing our hero. Or even, like, a little bit like a war movie or something. Like yeah. That. Like, they're getting the job done. Hooray for us, you know? Yeah, I actually felt that a lot while watching this on this watch because you sort of mentioned that, yeah, we're waiting to sort of introduce Max, and I feel like we don't really get Max as who he actually is until the last, like, 20 minutes of the movie. It's like the rest of this is, like, this really slow buildup. It's like we have to have Goose sort of get taken away and then his wife sort of taken away. Sorry, spoilers, but, like, yeah, I don't know. Just the death of Goose stuck out so much more to me this time. I wonder if it resonated with you sort of more. Um, I mean, I just, I was kind of just waiting for it, having seen it so many times. (laughs) Um, I think it is a little weird that, like, when he initially gets into a motorcycle accident, it feels like it's kind of just, like, a random event. Like, he kind of just, like, he's speeding down the road, and then he crashes, and then he ends up in a different vehicle, right? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, for me, it was like, okay, he's he's at the nightclub watching a saxophone performance, and then Johnny the boy is outside tampering with, all, like, tampering with his car, his bike, essentially. 
and then it caught that cause of the crash. Okay, I think I missed the tampering. Yeah, uh, it's it's just like one or two. Because I remember shots. rewinding and I was like, "Wait, how did he crash? Like he just like kind of flies off." Yeah, that's one part that felt really menacing. I was like, "Oh yeah, it's like we have this nice nightclub that the fact that yeah, it's not truly apocalyptic yet, but outside there's someone just like." taking yeah. part, pieces okay, of your motorcycle lot, apart that yeah. makes a lot of sense because yeah. i was definitely also like what was the point of that nightclub scene? gotcha yeah <laughs> like yeah and so yeah, yeah it, i must I, have just been distracted yeah and this was i think this is the second time i've seen this like the first time was like a few years ago and so yeah i think this being my second viewing it sort of was much more vivid yeah i think this may have been like my third or fourth time seeing it okay um i got the, i got the blu-rays so you very know, cool it every once in a while yeah, um, but like I don't know, just even the hospital scene where like he gets like the the burned hand comes out of like yeah. the sheet and he's like, "That's not goose under there." I don't. know. It felt like yeah, like a war movie or like a western where it's like he lost his wingman. He like he like it's yeah. literally his Top Gun. He lost goose. Like it's, we gotta give him. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it is like a revenge a revenge movie at his point. Max, go ahead. We are 100% snafu. You okay? Nothing the year in the traffics wouldn't fix. Much damage. You should see the damage. Bronze, huh? <laughs> Metal damage. Brain damage, huh? Are you listening, bronze? I am the Night Rider. <laughs> I'm a fuel-injected suicide machine. we're talking about max and his wife yeah we re- press record um yeah so i think that part of the movie in that relationship is like the weaker part of the movie where it's like goose dies and then the boss who is uh, the, his captain which is a whole nother conversation talking about his, his outfits and just his character um the character fifi is a is quite a presence also oh yeah but when he tells him, like, they're having this conversation in, like, this crazy, like, stairwell, and he's just like, don't quit, just go on vacation. And so they go, they proceed to go on vacation, and the movie sort of turns into, like, like a, a nice, tender romance movie where Max is sort of just, like, just explaining this, his, himself. He's kind of, you know, just getting more to know, get to know more about him. And I don't know, it's, it's nice, but yeah, it, it's, I feel like it's it's strange. <laughs> it, it's like, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say it's out of place because like it's a nice contrast to just like how fast paced everything else is, and so it is nice to sort of really take a few shifts down and just like okay, like let's have a nice just a date. He's gonna go swim in the water. They're gonna make dumb faces at each yeah, other. Yeah, he's gonna like, do a Tarzan impression. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I appreciate that because it makes the sting of the loss so much more powerful. And so when that does happen, it's like. When you, when you see, like, the kid's shoe, like, bouncing on the highway, it's just like, yeah. fuck. Like he, like, he really was trying to do his homestead and get, you know, have a, a, a nice life back home. But yeah. this wor- the world that he's in is not going to let that happen. And I don't know. It was, it, I don't, it was pretty effective. I enjoyed it. What did you think of it? What do you think of it? Um, I mean, I think the relationship's weird. <laughs> I think the, <laughs> I like the actress's performance. I like that we do get the scene of her standing up to Toe Cutter and, like, kicking him in the nuts and, like, taking the car away and stuff um i like yeah i like that they just they don't portray her as just a completely uh defenseless woman like they give her a little bit of uh i don't know bite but um but yeah i think (laughs) like the saxophone solo is just so strange to me (laughs) and like why is he doing a tarzan impression like it just seems it just it seems like weird choices to characterize this couple uh yeah, I did have a moment where I was sort of yelling at the screen a little bit when <laughs> it's like okay, they, like it's after that moment at the correct me if I'm wrong. It's after the the confrontation at the store when they get the ice cream. Then she goes on the show where she needs to go swim. Yeah, is that they, so? That's they run away. They go to like a barn or yeah, whatever and then... they find it like that barn yeah and then she's like i'm gonna go like go on this long walk and go swim on this beach now that was a moment i was like you guys have been attacked very yeah. recently it's like this you isn't... need to be on guard yeah 
yeah, it's like you should be posted up at the farm with the, this gun in your hand while he fixes the car so you guys yeah. can continue on the road. And so, yeah, when she has her nice little moment at the beach and then her dog disappears, it's just like, damn it, like this is... I, I kind of just wanted to speed up a little bit. Yeah. But I don't know. I still appreciate it. I do think the scene where... So one thing that surprised me on this rewatch is like I completely forgot that she survives. That like I totally thought she was dead. But at the yeah. hospital, they say like, no, she's still alive. They lost the son. Um, and I, th- I, I really like the hospital scene because the way that they talk, the doctors talk about losing the son, it's very like matter of fact. Like it doesn't feel like it's. <laughs> they don't f- seem seem very sympathetic. Um, yeah. And then. Yeah, it's not it's not like a dramatic reveal. It's just like they just kind of matter of factly state like, yeah, the sun's dead. Um and there's something about that with the knowledge that like Max is standing right outside the doorway <laughs> like yeah. looking like a zombie. Actually, uh, isn't one of the doctor's lines he's like, "Well, it's like I'm a doctor, not a butcher." Sort of this oh, you say geez, that. I don't remember that. Yeah, I like I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's something along those lines where he's like like my profession is only so much and it's pretty fucking grisly yeah i mean that feels pretty in character with these movies like I, I, yeah seems like something george miller would love <laughs> yeah well what do you think of uh captain fifi like the like this uh i don't know just what do you think of just like his character so uh so there's an early scene with fifi talking to this guy labatouche i think is the guy's name who ha- is carrying a fencing mask and I don't know why he's carrying that fencing mask. And I don't know what the relationship is between him and Fifi. Uh, like, they're talking business. But, like, I don't know. That kind of confused me. But, like, I think the characterization of Fifi, it just feels very Leather Daddy. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> yeah. like, there's no other way to put it. Like, it, there, there's something strange about these movies. There, there is this, like, um, homoeroticism that sort of uh underlines everything especially in the next one we're gonna get it with like the next gang um yeah but and even in fury road there's a little bit of it but um i don't know it feels like he portrays his villains and this is something i feel like might be kind of problematic with these movies is like he kind of portrays these villains as they're sex fiends (laughs) um yeah like i don't know like, like it is interesting that the our heroes are also they're they're dressed in leather. They have there's almost like this like punk aesthetic going on with even the police, yeah. which is kind of strange. Um, and there's no like homoeroticism in terms of how these characters play off of each other, but the aesthetics. It's like, gosh, what was that guy's name? Um, it reminds me of like a Kenneth Anger movie or something like that. Did you ever watch Kenneth Anger? <laughs> No. Uh, Scorpio Rising. So Kenneth Anger made this movie called Scorpio Rising, where it's literally just, like, footage of, like, leather daddies, (laughs) like, working (laughs) on cars and stuff like that. Um, And it's from 64, so it definitely predates Mad Max. Um, But, yeah, I... I... Yeah, I think the punk thing might be a little bit more with that era, like, a 79, early 80s. Yeah, you gotta watch. You gotta watch Scorpio Rising. I'm scrolling through it right now, and even like the association between like, I mean, obviously like leather and motorcycles is a thing, but it's like leather and car. Like they're they're driving cars. They're not in motorcycles. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like the way that um, Kenneth Anger like shoots the bikes and stuff. It's almost like there's he, he's fetishizing them just as much as he's fetishizing like his subjects. Uh, his human subjects. Yeah, I wonder if the outfit sort of being in that leather daddy sort of vibe is more, if that sort of connects to the fact that there is a more of a freedom that is being allowed to some of these characters where it's like, okay, if like society is sort of crumbling, quote unquote, and like the rules are going down, then I'm just going to really be who I am. And it's like this, and, like, even though I'm like, you know, the police commissioner, sorry, the, 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 like, the leader of this like group of police officers or whatever, it's like, I'm still going to be very much like embracing who I am. And I, don't know, I thought that was, I, I, at least that's what I was thinking about. Like, maybe this is just like, the, we're sort of, we're seeing the beginning of just like outfits becoming <laughs> way more just into like what people actually want them to be. It's like, if, if no one's going to police me, then I'm going to have on the chaps and all that stuff. I mean, I, I definitely think that's a lot, a lot of the stuff we see with the villains uh, or 
Like in, in, in Road Warrior, when like civilization has collapsed, uh, I kind of, during COVID, I gave myself a mohawk. And like <laughs> people were driving like lunatics when they're there because there was less cars on the road. And I was like, yeah. okay, I totally get how Mad Max becomes a thing. We're all cutting our own hair and like making our own clothes. Um, and like, you know, art doesn't fade just because uh civilization fades like we find other means of expressing ourselves yeah, yeah. Um, at yeah. least that's what i was saying. like you see, sort of see the seeds of that but yeah pointing at it as like a problematic thing with the villains i i can also see how that is an issue too where it's like that's an easy way to sort of distinct to like sort of establish someone as like the other is to, is to do that first and be like okay like they're of another sexuality therefore it's like they are their values don't align with ours but i don't know for here i think it is effective because like when they're when the assault sort of happens in the middle of this movie it's sort of like it's you get a, a really good visual emphasis emphasis on like okay the guy is running away and we're going to show like he like he is bleeding from his rear and so like yeah. that is something that has happened and the girl is like chained up and cow cowering inside of this like husk of a car yeah. and i don't know it's just like the, like the the violence is like very real in that moment but like i don't know i like it doesn't feel problematic to have yeah like uh uh night rider sort of having his hair stroked by one of his like lackeys or something like that it's like okay it's like they're, they're just having i don't know it just feels like that they're, they're just being expressive and i think what I, I think what it's trying to communicate is like it's a power thing like yeah yeah it's like why why like uh lust for power lust for violence that like those are the things being lusted after. Like, why are they going to observe like genders and sexualities? Like, it's just about, uh, you know, dominating another person. Um. Yeah. So when this movie came out, there was a lot of reviews sort of uh, saying it's like sort of reprehensible and saying like, you know, how do you think this has aged? Well, like, okay. So I think a lot of that also was coming out of, Australia like Australia didn't like this movie because they were trying to uh, establish themselves as like a very serious like film community you know they were gotcha. trying to make art films and stuff like that and then the movie that comes out and like gets on the international stage and like gets fans from all over the world is Mad Max an exploitation film uh, like a violent road movie um, yeah and so I, yeah, I think there was a lot of criticism there. I think, I think in terms of how it's aged, I think it's a little slow sometimes. Um, other than that, like I, I like I think the 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 vehicle action is like shot incredibly well. I think it's edited incredibly well. Um, I think I could just use a little bit more in terms of you know moving the story along. Um, I'm not getting enough out of Max and his relationships with these other characters that I want to sit on them longer, uh, mm -hmm. that I want to spend more time having them developed, uh, because I just don't find them all that interesting. Um, so, yeah, if, if the relationships were more interesting, I would say, yeah, let's spend some more time there, let's invest more time there. Maybe that's the problem, maybe it just needs to be reworked and that needs to be beefed up more. However, I, that's not really why I'm watching the movie. Like, uh, yeah. I find it interesting as, like, this revenge Western sort of thing where it's, you know, this man at odds with this animalistic bike gang. Um, how about you? I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's become one of those movies that is really, like, very appropriate to sort of watch when you sort of talked about this in the beginning of our conversation where, yeah, it's like post-apocalyptic or like sort of near apocalyptic i don't i feel like yeah we did sort of experience like fringes and tastes of like what that possibly could be like when you know there's no toilet paper on our shelves or like you know like we're shutting off certain streets for covid and then yeah like people sort of start to get a little bit more reckless with their driving and yeah for a movie i think this movie becomes even more like valuable than like the second one or the third one or even fury road in some ways where it's like this something is you can watch this and it's so visually similar to what actual life looks like it can sort of trick you into thinking like oh yeah like this is something that yeah. is totally this is like a normal action movie and this is not like post-apocalyptic you yeah. think about like gas shortages and stuff like that um another thing that's like happening right now is like gas prices being insane yeah. it's like it's like one of those things where yeah it's like i can watch fury road and be like oh yeah this is a fantasy this is like you know everything like looks like 
of fantasies. I'm look like I'm playing the Witcher. Yeah. Like yeah, it's like it's like Fallout or something. But yeah, with this, it's it's so similar to what actual life looks like. It could be very terrifying. Yeah, I'm like, that. oh, this is just a rural area that sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I can believe this place exists. Like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, when I first watched it, I was like, I was probably smoking, half watching it, and be like, oh yeah, this is cool, but like not great. But while watching it this time, I definitely walked away appreciating it, appreciating it much more than I. I, I thought think I, I did would. appreciate it a little bit more too. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, this like, has what? always been one where I've like I've kind of been a little bored with this one. Um, and there were moments yeah. here where I found myself getting sucked in a little bit more than I, I usually do. Um, one thing that I wish was a little. I don't know. I wish was done a little differently is so after he gets like his arm ran over and he gets shot in the leg, uh, he like kills one of toe cutters lackeys and like, uh, he gets back on the road and we see him chase down a, a motorcyclist. The motorcyclist eyes bulge out, crashes into a truck. And then he goes and he, to, he, he tracks down Johnny. Um, yeah. Johnny, the person who lit goose on fire. And he handcuffs him to, you know, a vehicle or something that's leaking oil, leaking gas. He tells him, he hands him a hacksaw. He says, you can saw off your leg uh, to escape. Uh, yeah, he handcuffs his leg to this thing. He says, you can ha- saw off your leg to escape. It, it, this is like the scene that inspired Saw. Yeah. Um, <laughs> otherwise, great. you know, you're going to explode. <laughs> and so after, after that happens, I'm like, oh, okay. Now he's going to go get Toe Cutter, right? Because, like, Toe Cutter is the big bad. I didn't realize Toe Cutter was the guy on the motorcycle who crashed into the truck in the scene just prior because he has a helmet on the entire time. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I feel like uh, it would have been nice if this big bad, you know, we've been building up throughout the whole movie. If like when I, I just wish he wasn't wearing that helmet. Like, I wish it was more clear that. the And like, I, I know I'm not okay. alone in this because like <laughs> I went on. I like I was like reading like random Reddit post about this movie, and someone else was saying like I com- I completely missed that that was Toe Cutter. Um, so yeah, because like we I think the only time we see his face is when we just see his like eyes bulging, and I'm pretty sure the like the complaint that the person on Reddit had was that the eyes are a different color than the actor's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I can see that. I think yeah, I might have just been more just focused on like yeah his helmet or whatever but okay then that's the same helmet or but i i do understand why that could be a little tricky and then it's, it's a blink like, and you miss it kind of thing someone else was like pointing out that like the front of the truck that toe cutter crashes into is like incredibly fake <laughs> that, like <laughs> like i didn't which i didn't even notice the first time because i'm just i'm looking at the motorcycle i'm looking at like you know the debris and then like i rewound it and yeah. i'm like oh it's incredibly obvious <laughs> like this it's like got uh, headlights like painted on it. It's like a drawing of a front of a truck. Oh. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to to pull that up and look up right now. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I, it I just looks wanna... silly. <laughs> and I don't know why they did that. Um, I guess maybe they were just worried about damaging a truck. I don't know. They had to like paint a large shield. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be as bad if they're. Because it lingers, because uh, yeah, we have like a, a cut back and forth, but then yeah, it lingers for yeah. like a, a shot. Where, slow motions, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where it's like, oh yeah, that's just red and yellow spray paint. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's 79, it's guerrilla filmmaking sometimes. Yeah. Things gotta go through. Speaking of which, so you said that uh, our finale scene where he sort of makes his makeshift uh, torture, not a torture device, like this makeshift uh, whatever, like a device to, to blow this guy up and that inspired Saw saw the first one is filled with those moments of like oh yeah these guys there's there's plenty of scenes of like police officers driving places where it's like yeah like it's just a guy on a soundstage and they're just moving the lights back and forth like that saw is incredibly low budget and so i appreciate that sort of this movie sort of has that connection to saw because yeah i don't know just I, i love a good independent movie that has those little tricks and those sneaks to get through and to make things just to make things happen because that's what fucking filmmaking is and but then both have this in common where they turn into these massive franchises where the budgets get bigger and yeah. they get to have a lot more fun with it oh, i was good i had something in my notes where it says the police themselves are kind of they feel like they're characterized like a gang um yeah, they're not terrorizing totally. people but they're still running their enemies off the road and like victimizing bystanders controlling territory like Goose is inter- like Goose doesn't respect the law clearly like <laughs> uh inter- like uh 
going to beat up Johnny after he gets away. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. obviously he's justified in feeling that way, but uh, I don't know. Their their portrayal they're portrayed with like a similar type of violence. Um, yeah, there is definitely a little bit of the the mirror or the contrast kind of going on there. Yeah. Where yeah, they're 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 kind of bumbling and like they sort of are, are bickering about you know just I want to drive and I want to drive and just like just kind of just the same sort of messiness within their ranks. Um, I have in my notes the scene of Max getting his V8. Um, I love that scene, like how it's like building up. It's building up the vehicle, and like it, it feels like knowing knowing where these movies go. It's like we're building the legend of Max by introducing him to his V8. I think the performance of the mechanic is kind of weird. Like they make the mechanic like an odd character, and I yeah. wonder if it's like. I don't know. Like, is he supposed to be, like, on the spectrum before we understood what the spectrum was? Like, is it supposed to be, like, he's, you know, an an odd man who is very good at this particular thing, you know? Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, I think maybe before we got into the, the more PC era that we're in yeah. now, this was, oh, yeah, it's like, just have a funny face. Just be weird. Just do something but it, Yeah, strange. and I'm, like, wondering if that was, like, a trope before... You know, we had any sort of terminology or understanding of these things. We were like, we're going to portray someone as unusual uh, and portray them as odd, um, but they're really effective. Yeah, I, I do appreciate when that does show up. And yeah, it is a, a pretty badass fucking car. And yeah, just it, it makes it completes the image of Mad Max. Yeah, I think that might be about it. And, um, I mean, him getting shot in the leg and getting his arm run over, knowing where these things go. <laughs> it's like, because that shit carries over. Like, in the next movie, he has a he has a brace on his knee, and he's missing part of his jacket. Uh, yeah. I think, also, it's just worth pointing out that it's just really good and badass to, like, just put your hero through something so tough. Yeah. Like, when he's, like, he gets tricked by them, and then he gets ambushed, and shot in the knee and yeah. his arm ran over and then it's like you really want him to yeah. win after that <laughs> and he still fucking comes out on top <laughs> yeah so it's like yeah they actually i think that ties in nicely to the, the conversation fifi is having early on in the movie when he's like we're gonna like we need to give them their heroes back and i think that like that is like mm-hmm. one of those themes kind of tying into just the whole mad max mythology of just like we're gonna give people like that like that mythical hero back i'm excited for the next one man i fucking love red word yeah, I'm I'm stoked. It, yeah, I've like I've seen all of these movies, but it's always great to sort of rewatch them yeah. with fresh eyes. What have you been watching lately? Okay, so this week I uh, binge watched all of Reservation Dogs. You, oh, you went okay. to a, yeah, you went to a concert yesterday, so that allowed me to complete watch yeah. complete that se- the season because it's pretty short. And yeah, I you've, you've seen the entire first season. Um, no, I only saw like half of it. Okay. Um, it's really, it's really good. I it's, really it's... liked it. It's just like, uh, I think it was just like one, uh, yet, yet another one of those shows that like, I'm not temp- like, uh, tempted to binge, you know, I'm not compelled to binge it. Okay. I was a little bit on the opposite. I was, yeah, once I finished apparently. the first episode, <laughs> yeah, once I finished the first episode, I was like, fuck, like, I really want to space this out and enjoy this and indulge in it. But yeah. then uh, you, you said, I'm going to be free. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch all of this because I yeah. really want to see where this goes. And it's interesting because it, I think it, it has, like, a lot of really great qualities on it. I, there's not really any episode that I would consider, like, a weak episode. I think they're all pretty strong and they all do very different things and you spend time with different characters and different uh, combinations of characters that gets really fun and it just has a lot of heart and it's just a a, like yeah just a really really emotional good good coming of age story and they blend in folklore really nicely sort of is more folklore towards like the end of the show and i think it's it's good i think they do a really good job of it yeah i think i liked that i liked it more than the other taika watiti show on h on hulu which is uh what we do in the shadows um gosh okay yeah. like i i like what we do in the shadows but um reservation talks i just felt like it was like a better written show uh yeah also wouldn't you appreciate it more stylistically too because it's 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 kind of like atlanta or louis where it's just like it's a uh, single camera um 
single camera like kind of drama comedy thing instead of like what we do in the shadows which is like an office style show yeah true yeah i guess i hadn't thought about that component yeah Yeah. it's like because they're previewing uh season four for uh what we do in the shadows and yeah it's like oh cool we get to see clips and like yeah it's like when they're doing punchlines they like turn to the camera and like look at it just like just like oh yeah it's like once you see that it's hard to get burned out on it too (laughs) it's like i I'm not sure if I finished this, the third season. I think I did, but I was definitely kind of getting burned out on like the shtick of it. Um, the, yeah, best it's, epi- it's good, the best yeah. episode of that show <laughs> is when um, Matt Berry becomes a volleyball coach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it's like this feels like a totally different show now. Uh, yeah, he he's the strong the strongest aspect of that Jackie show. Jackie Daytona. Sure. Yeah, it's it's a, a good one. Um, but yeah, the yeah, FX is kind of going hard right now. That show's coming back. Uh, Reservation Dogs, the new season comes out August 3rd, so that's coming out soon. Another thing I've been watching this week is The Old Man. Oh, I don't think with, I uh, It's the Jeff Bridges show oh, with uh, John Lithgow. Well, it's on FX, okay. and so it's airing on FX, and then it has, it's on Hulu as well, but... Yeah, it's a show I was like, wasn't going to watch it because I was like, this just looks kind of dumb. This looks kind of dumb and stupid. But I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to give it a shot. And I really appreciate Jeff Bridges. He's he's really charming, really great as like this like ex-CIA guy like coming out of retirement. Um, I also watched like the Taken movies this week. And so seeing Damn, you, this version... See, it's what happens when you're single (laughs) to watch a lot of stuff. (laughs) I get to binge watch whatever the hell I want. And so, um, yeah, Jeff Bridges, like this version of it, they're doing it in like he's a a chill dude. He has like these two Rottweilers that are just like these lovable dogs, but like he has this like deadly like ways of just like taking down people and taking down enemies with the dogs involved. And like it's just, it gets pretty fucking intense with the action. But the reason I like it, I think I'm. I like the like the espionage side of it. I like John Lithgow as the villain. Everyone's talking like they're in a really pulpy like espionage thing where he's like on the phone with them. It's always like really intense phone calls on the show. Or like, John Lithgow is just like behind door number one. It's like we'll can like take your daughter and kill you. Or like behind door number two is like we'll just kill you. And it's just like I don't know. It's just it's really it feels really pulpy and really silly. Just like everyone's like not trusting each other. And if I don't know, I really enjoy it for just what it is and it feels like a show that knows what it is and yeah. isn't trying to to do anything else really there's a really good scene in the third episode where it's a, a one take so it's a oneer where like a, a, a multiple kind of things sort of take place and i don't know i just really appreciate when shows sort of do those visual things well and, you know I just, it just has a lot of stuff that i like about tv shows and so wasn't expecting to like it and I'm really enjoying it, and it got renewed for season two already. So, okay, wow. in, in, in a minute for the long haul. Yeah. But um, lastly, I've been playing um, Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, I saw you I'm online to, the other night. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to like beat all of the games that I just hadn't beaten, and so uh, after beating the Final Fantasy VII remake, I was like, okay, I kind of want to just hop right into something else. Yeah. yeah, hop back into something really quickly, but I didn't want to start over. And so I actually I have my PS4 plugged in right now because I didn't want to oh, transfer yeah. data, just start all over. And yeah, uh, have you played Ghost of Tsushima? I got through Act One and then I took a break okay. because Elden Ring came out. So gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. For those who aren't familiar, Ghost of Tsushima is open world game, uh, samurai themed, is like set in Japan. And uh, yeah, it is. It is very violent and very brutal. But also, it contains these moments. It's really strange because there's no uh, there's no heads up display. Like when you're going from location to location, your waypoint is just like the wind. It's yeah. like you can like look at your map and it'll give you like a line. But like you're following like the wind and like that kind of guys you places or like yeah. birds or foxes will lead you to things. Yeah, and, very cool. But like yeah, like between like the incredibly brutal grisly violence of like you beheading and like cutting off limbs of people it's like honestly one of the most meditative video games yeah. i've ever played there are side like, quests where it's like write yeah. a haiku <laughs> yeah it's like you're like writing haikus or like, like to right. like increase <laughs> the thing you do to increase your health bar is like you go to hot springs and then yeah. you go to the hot spring yeah. and it's like okay now re- <laughs> re- re- reflect on your mother and it's just like holy shit yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is just, just like really heavy it's like it's making you sort of get into those meditative spaces and <laughs> it's just flat out it's, so it's just flat out gorgeous it's just like 
one of the most beautiful video games I've ever played. Like, not I don't even like to use hyperbole. I don't like to hype things up like that. But it's legitimately one of the most gorgeous games I've ever seen. And like, I don't know. Now and I'm it's like, not even like, like, like imagine if that game was made for PS5. Like, this is yeah. like a last generation <laughs> game, and it looks phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's insane. Yeah, when you sort of make the transition from, I, I really love how they do like the just the the regions and so like the first region is like yeah it's lush and it's green elden ring also does this really well too where like the color palette changes yeah. like dramatically as you continue and so when you get to the second map it just goes from like oh yeah nice and sunny kind of home to just like a pure battlefield yeah. and it's just like okay now we're in the second act it's of this game all the time and stuff. well i think yeah. one of the things that happens in that game is if you so there's this whole thing about like honor you like as a samurai you should like face your opponents head on um (laughs) but as the ghost of tsushima uh the ghost is stealth the ghost like uh hides and like is a shady motherfucker Um, dishonorable so it's like if you kill without with without honor if you're sneaking around you know coming up behind people and slitting their throats and shit um it affects the weather and so you get as the game progresses you're kind of forced to do these things and so it becomes stormier and stormier and darker and there's like lightning storms and shit so like yeah uh it like matches the mood of a person losing their honor uh see i didn't realize that see that's yeah. really cool I didn't you know can it, like, reset it i think you just like play a little song on your flute or something and then, like, okay. resets it, okay. but uh but yeah and then the sun comes out yeah but um i wanted to mention that like usually i have these moments where i get further especially with open world games the further i get into it sometimes i just lose steam i lose interest i get tired of doing the same old things over and over but with ghost of tsushima they manage to just continue to give you new powers at least pretty late to where i am and the power i just unlocked sort of it almost made my jaw drop because it like you basically it goes into slow motion the entire like the entire screen goes black and white and then when you make contact with an enemy it's just like it's like a guaranteed a limb is going to be removed cool. and it's just it's, it becomes just so much more like intense yeah. in those moments and just th- those those color shifts are really effective and i was like oh okay i think i am in love with this game again i'm gonna finish it very quickly you're making me want to pick um, it up again yeah i was kind of against it just because it's open world and open world games tend to be repetitive but i don't know this one between the the action and then the the meditativeness is really nice. Doesn't it have a co-op campaign? I believe so. Should, yeah, I think it might should, be Legends mode. We should play that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That'll, that's yeah, how I, I'll get back into this game. Yeah. I will investigate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what have you been watching this week? Um. So I went to a lot of concerts uh, in the past oh, yeah. week. So I went to Mosswood Meltdown at Mosswood Park in Oakland. Um, it is a punk and garage rock music festival hosted by John Waters. Um, it's two stages, and it's scheduled in such a way where you can see every band, which is pretty cool. You just walk back nice. and forth between the stages. Um, and John Waters will introduce every band, and he usually does, like, a pretty brilliant, like, com- comedic poem, <laughs> like, write-up uh, before <laughs> before every band. It's just, like, it's really fun. It's, like, I don't know. I, I don't know what I would compare that to. Like, I know it's a thing. But it, it's sort of like someone, like, introducing like a vaudeville performer or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was headlined by Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth doing her solo stuff. And nice. that was Saturday. And then Sunday was headlined by Bikini, by Bikini Kill, uh, the classic Riot Girl band. Um, and usually when I go to this thing, I, I this is like the third or fourth year that I've gone. And I usually don't know most of the bands, um, but it's really fun just like discovering new bands. And like, uh, yeah. because if it's all punk and it's all garage rock, there's kind of a lot of similarities with some of the sounds sometimes. Uh, so you are kind of figuring out like, okay, like who's doing something that uh, is speaking to me and is working in a way that, that the others aren't. Um, yeah. Services great, like Spanish punk band called podium that played. And I don't know what uh, they kind of reminded me of this Canadian punk band called new sensei where like they had a, a woman vocalist and I don't know. I, it was like very bass oriented music like nice that's like the bass was really like driving things forward and i don't know they're they're great um but yeah Mosswood meltdown it's a fucking great time I, I love going to that festival um before you go on i think my friend uh played well he volunteered and he's a drummer his name's cole and so I, there's a video of him just like 
jamming and just like just playing for one part. So there's a possibility you saw him perform. What band was? Do you know he? It wasn't with the band. He's just by himself. He's just on a drum kit and just playing. Just like nearby or what? <laughs> it was on stage. It was like on a stage. Huh. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, yeah. It might have been like a side thing or a side stage. Yeah, but it yeah, was him kind of just performing in front of some people. So maybe it was. Yeah, friend. like maybe it was like when a. So like like I said, it's scheduled in a way where you could see every band. So maybe a band was playing on one stage and then he was just on drums, like filling time or something between. People. Yeah, he was a he was volunteering, okay. and so it might have been yes yeah, something involving cool. some sound checking thing. But I was like, yeah, shout out to him. Shout out to Cole. <laughs> Um, so I, I went to that, I watched, so there's this, um, marathon that happens every year on Twitch called Summer Games Done Quick. It's, um, but do you know about this? It's speedrunning. Um, yes. Well, uh, I know about speedrunning. I didn't know about this thing. So they, they do, they've done it every year for like, I want to say like over a decade or something like that. I, I was watching it back in college, but, um. It, it, they do awesome games done quick, which is like their main event. And then you do summer games done quick, but it's like a week long marathon of just speed run after speed run after speed run. It's like a live thing. Um, and it's always to raise money for some sort of charity. I think summer games done quick is doctors without borders. And then okay. um, awesome games done quick is like the prevent cancer foundation. I'm pretty sure. Um, and they raise cool, like millions cool. of fucking dollars too. Um, but anyways, like, I, I didn't even realize it was happening this year. I had a friend text me, and he was like, hey, have you watched the Zelda Ocarina of Time uh, speedrun? <laughs> because I had chills and tears by the end of it. And I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> but now I have to. And so it's a, a tool-assisted speedrun. It's this thing. They have this thing called TaskBot, which they use, which stands for Tool-Assisted Speedrun Bot. And a tool-assisted speedrun, what that is, is basically... Uh, my understanding of it is like they write some sort of script that is able to press buttons with way greater accuracy than a human ever could and so uh, so a tool is just playing the game and they're able to do amazing things by doing this they're basically like saying what is the game capable of how can we break it and like yeah what what can possibly be done not by a human but like what is possible um and so this TaskBot speedrun, the way it worked is they it was a collaboration between a human speedrunner and the TaskBot. The TaskBot was plugged into controllers 2 through 4 on a Nintendo 64. <laughs> the human okay. was plugged into controller port 1. And the human, like, does plays as much as they need to to get to a point where they're, like, setting up the TaskBot to take over. Then the TaskBot plays, enters in a ridiculous amount of inputs, and is able to... Uh, basically like unlock this sort of menu that like gives them access to basically every inventory item they can like up all it's their like cards yeah it's like a, it's like a, a debug menu. yeah yeah um and also they're able to access all sorts of beta content somehow so so what they're doing is <laughs> they, they've managed to find some sort of exploit where they can where they can execute their own code into the game uh just using button presses and so what they're doing is they're they're basically reprogram reprogramming the game as the game is being played uh That's using only button yeah. presses <laughs> um, and so it's pretty incredible that like I i'm watching this and i'm like i don't recognize so much of what is happening it feels like a completely different game because it's all beta content that they've they've found ways to bring back into the game and that they've they're building code around they're building patches to make it yeah. usable um, that sounds wild. It is really fucking cool. And it does get to a place where... It, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, they're no longer just bringing in cut content. They are inventing content. They are building a <laughs> new game as it's being played. And That's insane, so it, yeah. it's really special where it goes. Um, so, like, I would... I would yeah, if you're a fan of Ocarina of Time and you've played that game a few times, I, I completely think this is worth looking up. It's about an hour long, unfortunately. It's it's kind of long, yeah. but it is kind of a trip watching. Um, it's called, I think it's called like SGDQ, Summer Games Done Quick, uh, Triforce Percent Run. Um, okay. So you can like search for that. You can search for Taskbot. Oh, that'll probably come up. Oh, my phone's dying, so my camera just died. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, but um, yeah, so I watched that. Yeah. 
And then, sorry, did you have something to say? Uh, no, I just wanted to mention that for those who like are unfamiliar with speedruns, at least when they first started out, it was like people sort of achieving like impossible, strange things with like actual just like controller inputs by like just doing things themselves. So it'd be like a Zelda speedrun. They like started off the game, but then they like do a thousand, like a hundred backflips against a wall or something, and then yeah. that would let them like, you know like break invisible barriers to like. Yeah just advance through parts of the game faster. But what Daniel just described is something uh, like a whole another level yeah. beyond that, where it's like you're using technology to execute faster uh, button inputs to just like to achieve something yeah. like, a, like another you're level. You're building glitches <laughs> on top of other glitches until you could just, you, you're, so, so one of the things that one of the people says is like, usually with uh, tool assisted speedrun, usually with TaskBot, what they call it, is like, we're breaking the game. But it's like we wanted to go the other way and like we wanted to create something using this. Yeah. Um, so it's like a pretty special, special thing. Um, yeah, that, so that sounds awesome. Yeah, and it apparently it was like <laughs> years, like two or three years in the making, too. Um, but so, yeah, the last thing I want to talk about, this is what I did last night, which caused us to postpone, um, is uh, my friend Sam messaged me saying that their friend, Jay, their coworker, had an extra ticket to craft work and had no one to go <laughs> to go with him. Um, so I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll go. I've never met this person, but I'll, I'll accompany them to go see craft work. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm not like the biggest craft work fan. I'm like, fam I was, I was surprised. I was like familiar with like more than half of what they played. Um, but uh, yeah, I was like, I feel like I would be stupid to say no to this, to like pass, pass on this opportunity because they're old as hell and they're probably this could very well be their last tour i know one of them has already died recently um yeah super super iconic in their own right but also in the realm of hip-hop of like being around that era where like sampling was taking off and yeah yeah full sampling craft work in like the 80s and 90s and it's like that i like when you said that i was like damn like i would want to fucking go see that too yeah and so it, it was craft work in 3d and so you go uh they there's these four podiums on stage and you're just like waiting for the show to start there's this large projection screen behind the four podiums um show gets started our performers come out they have these sort of like uh jumpsuit sort of uh full body suits that just have like lines on them like um like a grid basically and as soon as they get to their podiums the podiums the edges of the podiums light up in like red neon and like the stage, the edges of the stage are lit up in red neon and they have these lights on them that are shining on the reflective grid on their suits. So now they are red neon, <laughs> like these reflective, nice. these lines. Um, and there's like this giant projection behind them of just like green text. It looks like the Matrix. It's, they perform, um, you know, a song. I think the song's just called Numbers. <laughs> um, and yeah, like it's, it's a trip seeing how excited people get over electronic music about the Autobahn and about the Tour de France. <laughs> and like um, at a certain point, like towards the end of the show, when they leave bef before they come back for their encore, they left the stage and it just starts playing the song, uh, The Robots. And it's like, we are the robots and all this stuff. And there's a projection of these like mannequins that look like craft work and they're just kind of like gesturing around um and then we get to a point in the song where the uh this large projection screen slowly comes down and behind that projection screen is first off another projection screen <laughs> that's uh, the same size <laughs> but uh between the two are the actual robots the the mannequins that looked like craftwork and of course everyone's losing their mind over some, we're just watching it's like a weird sort of um i don't know it's like it's like a weird chuck e cheese band is basically like what we're being exposed to it's just like these mannequins like just slightly gesturing and like rotating um, that's amazing yeah while we're listening to like pre-recorded music uh and then of course the band comes out they finish the show but um yeah, it was a very interesting experience. There was a guy behind me who said, like, the first time he saw them was in 78. This is the sixth, awesome. this is the sixth time seeing them. Uh, he was like, this is historic. Like, this place should be sold out and all this stuff. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I, I don't know. He was he was really into it. Um, but, yeah, craft work. 
it was it was a good time <laughs> like if you have the opportunity i would say take it because you're yeah. not gonna have many more i'm sure um yeah i i absolutely yeah um i've seen a concert in 3d i saw flying lotus performed in santa cruz Yes, I was on mushrooms nice. during that concert, and yeah, like just what just the things that you can do with like laser shows and like 3D in that space with like just focus on one performer is really interesting. But yeah, having I think there's four people in Craftwork, yeah. right? Yeah, just like yeah, have all in the suits. There's so much you can do with just like the stage, it was, like the stage presence. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like there's moments where it looks like a satellite dish is like coming right towards you. And like people were like, I could nice. hear people like tripping out. <laughs> being like, oh God. <laughs> like I'm sure people are on all sorts of things. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's good. Good, wholesome fun. Just go, go to a concert, see some lasers. Honestly, like, <laughs> like there was a point where I was like, this is incredible. And this is going to sound like depressing, but like, I was like, this <laughs> is, these are like the experiences that make it worth being alive like yeah. like a, like oh yeah there are experiences out there that are mind-blowing that i have yet to have like there are there are so many that i have yet to have and i'm just kind of like waiting to experience them um so yeah it felt great yeah i i feel that i'm i'm going to a concert on sunday it's like the only one i'm gonna one of the few i get to go to this year just because i was really unsure about my schedule for a lot of the times so i wasn't able to to like commit to buying a concert ticket which kind of sucks because there's, there's a lot of shows i really wanted to see this year but i'm happy i'm going to go see see a band i really want to see uh, seeing them on sunday with my friend joe and yeah i don't think it'll be as like life-changing <laughs> as, 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 as that you're describing it but i think it'll be a lot of fun just to yeah yeah it's gonna be a good time uh one last thing i do want to mention that i just remembered i don't, I don't know if you saw it but joe para talks with you has been canceled shame shame on hbo shame on discovery i know i don't know who it was there would they those companies merged and i'm sure that's the reason this is happening but um something to do with yeah that hbo warner brothers merger thing because adult swim sort of got swept up in that yeah i've heard like a a lot of production companies and like shows have been like having to make cuts and like cancel things because like I, I, I apparently there was a Joe Parrot said something not long ago about how it was going to come down to streaming numbers um, whether the okay. show was renewed um, damn that sucks yeah I think the Shivering Truth also got oh canceled. really uh, that doesn't totally yeah. surprise me I mean pretty like I, I thought I had read that it was going to have another season but uh I mean, that shows the fact that that show exists at all is kind of a miracle. Yeah. Well, this information is coming from, I followed this, uh, the new vice president of like uh, Adult Swim. I think I'm following him on Twitter and he was talking about just, just he was doing a straight up AMA about all these like more, it was more Toonami based, but then people were asking like, what shows would you bring back that you could bring back that are like currently running? And uh, the Shivering Truth is one that he mentioned. So it's sort of like a, uh, unofficial slash official like announcement that is basically was canceled. I mean, but the Joe Pera post was very sad. It's just like him just in the like yeah, it's the picture of him like, in the nature. It's like oh wow, this is the end of this beautiful thing. Like I'm looking at the the number of viewers on Wikipedia right now for season three of Joe Pera, and it's like under two hundred thousand people for a lot of the season three episodes. So it's like yeah, yeah it's I guess it kind of makes sense. Like they they peaked at like. Probably like six hundred fifty thousand people. Yeah, it's tough. Like, there's a lot of those Adult Swim shows where they're very close to my heart, and then like I just appreciate the fact that they were there. <laughs> so yeah. when they're gone, it's really sad. I felt that way about Black Jesus when that show ended, but it ended in a much more catastrophic way, where it's like cast members started dying and like people got fired, and it's just like this is just like just burning out in a really bad way. But Joe Perry, I feel like it ended very nicely. Nice. Yeah. Nice little finale. The whole chair episode is beautiful. So. Yeah. Right. Also, rest in peace, James Conn. Yes, James Conn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry I let Joe Perra's cancellation overshadow the death of a man. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Joe Perra, that show was pretty awesome. And like we were, I was talking about like the, the meditativeness of Ghost of Tsushima. Joe Perra is like legitimately meditative and like good like uh, good stuff good television for your soul that makes yeah. you feel like a good person 
I was like, I, I will always remember. Well, I don't know if I'll always remember, but I currently remember <laughs> like showing my mom the uh, Joe Perry does the church announcements episode when he discovers the yeah. And like partway through the episode, I just remember her like sitting on the couch and like looking at me and <laughs> she had this look on her face like she was touched to the point of tears. Like she did well, she wasn't crying, but like I could tell this is a woman who was like touched by what she was saying. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. I think my, my little Joe Paris stories, I came back from Korea and it was it was like going crazy on Adult Swim. They were just like airing it back to back and like just recorded a bunch of them. But yeah, the episode where he releases the pumpkin into, yeah. <laughs> back into the wild is just like the most touching thing I've ever seen. And the fact that in that episode we get a Matrix reference where the, the him, he's dressed like as the twins and uh, his friend is dressed as like uh, Morpheus and Trinity. It's just, it's just like the little things like that just made the show yeah. that much more special. And then it's like, I know Joe Firestone and Connor O'Malley are still working on other stuff for Adult Swim. So I'm hoping Joe Para, I'm hoping Joe Para just gets swooped into some other show as yeah. the same character. <laughs> like, Yeah. One can always hope. And one will figure out what we're going to be watching next Whose week. Whose turn is it? Um, well, I think I picked the last detour, okay. right? Did I pick? Uh, I picked um, Happy Time Murder, uh, so it would be my turn. your choice. Okay. I'm going to yeah. have to think about this. I have something in mind, uh, but I want to talk to you about it. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll figure right. it out. Well... This has been episode 92 of Vague Zone. You can contact us at vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or movie suggestions, you can let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at VagueZone and tweet at us. We'll always be there to have a conversation with you. Yeah, this has been 92. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. We'll catch you on the next episode. Peace.